Hello and welcome to another episode of the Advanced Pro Basketball Show. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Like always, we got our co-hosts and a special guest. My name is Khan. Welcome to the show. Armai, how's it going, my man? Doing good. Wonderful, actually. Wonderful. Great. And then we also got Ian. What's good, Ian? How you living? I'm doing well. Doing well. Excited for these preseason games in the NBA. Starting tonight. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this on yes. Friday, uh, the 11th, <laughs> starting today. Uh, but our special guest, uh, founder of Euro Pro Basket, and Brad Candice. How are you doing, my man? Really excited to have you on the show. Um, and I want to learn a lot about what you're going on, what you got going on, what you've done up until this point. Uh, how, are, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks, and I really appreciate you guys uh, inviting me to be uh, to be on your show. Excited to have you on. I'm I'm gonna toss it over to Armai because this is how the connection to the show happened. Armai was able to get our man uh, Brad on the show, so Armai, uh, take it away. Yes, thank you. Uh, well, I mean, um, me and Brad, we've I think been connected for a while now, to be honest, and uh, the connection initially mm -hmm. stemmed from. Uh, LinkedIn and everything and naturally basketball was a very big common denominator uh, but yeah I mean what I really wanted to get out of Brad is how he formulated and how he came about the thought process of um, creating Euro Pro Basket because uh, that's a very near and dear topic to myself um, a while ago I actually published something called um, a basketball frameworking solution, uh, which uh, fell in parallel with some other cup, a couple of people that actually wrote about it in the U.S. too. But initially, finalize it and internalize it to our company, Advanced Pro Basketball, and it was a main reason why Advanced Pro Basketball had been able to work with uh, federations uh, across Europe, and it was simplistically just, uh, let's say. A skeleton for understanding and how to implement the whole academy solution which is so popular in Europe and uh, this also in a way relates to a topic we very briefly discussed on uh, the show um, when Chris was actually involved Chris Pagentine um, and yeah I mean Brad I'm, I'm really curious to hear from you my man I mean uh, how did things really go go through with you in terms of the process of coming about Euro Pro Basket and I mean I know that you have a very huge amount of success with it uh, in Spain and uh, I see every solidly every once in a while people being placed into good teams or good locations so uh, talk to us a little bit about how this thing really got established uh, well basically I'm, I'm a player I played overseas for for a few years i played in pretty much all over the world you know i played in south america and asia and middle east and africa and and so uh man i started playing basketball when i was when i was five years old um the way i got into playing professional basketball was through a contact that i had in oregon at the united states basketball academy um bruce o'neill is the owner of that uh he, the the late Russo, you know, he passed away about a, a week and a half, mm -hmm. two weeks ago. Uh, he was a, he was a close friend of mine for for over twenty years now, and uh, and he's uh, 
I, I went to his academy. I worked his academies in the summers. I trained with his coaches and, uh, and I got to a university because of my involvement with them. And so the, the thought of an academy always, uh, uh, I always liked it. I always wanted to have my own academy. I always wanted to be a part of academy. It was, you know, basketball academies were, were how I got my start playing professionally and got into to playing college. And, you know, I was at a point in my life when I was in high school, my sister passed away, my parents got divorced. And, you know, I, I wasn't too focused on basketball, you know, and, and uh, Jim Schmidt, which is the, the owner of, of USBA and Bruce O'Neill, the president, um, they actually mm -hmm. brought me out of that slump and, and they gave me motivation to be a professional player. So, you know, the, the idea of basketball Academy came, came from that. And when I started winding down my professional career, I was, you know, 30 years old. I had a family, a wife, a daughter traveling all over the world, you know, dragging my family around with me. You know, I had to make a decision whether I wanted to keep on traveling and leave my family somewhere or, you know, get a regular job and, and, lived and watched my daughter grow up so you know i decided to uh to together with a club in spain and uh an arena um a, a training facility and uh, and also a hotel and and make my own basketball academy and so uh uh the idea was not to have an academy similar to the ones that are already here in europe you know, there's a lot of competition mm -hmm. here in, mm -hmm. in Europe for basketball academies. My idea was not to work with kids. It was to work with professional players or players aspiring to be professionals, you know. And there's not a whole lot of competition for that. Um, yeah. And so it, it felt like a good, a, good, uh, a good business opportunity. Plus, you know, it was a great way for me to give back to players that want to get their career started. I see a lot of camps and showcases in the U.S. I don't believe that most of them provide good opportunities for players. I feel like if you're going to do an overseas camp, you should be doing it overseas. You know, if you want to do a USA mm -hmm. camp or an NCAA camp or an NBA or G League, okay, do it. Do it in the U.S. I'm not going to do a G League camp in Europe, you know, for mm -hmm. trying to go to G League. I'm going to do it in the U.S., close mm -hmm. to all the G League coaches. So, in my opinion, yeah. an overseas or a Europe basketball camp should be in Europe or it should be overseas near the teams, near the coaches, because, you know, guys don't want to coaches and teams don't have the money to send people to the U S to scout players exactly. that exactly. don't have resonance. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to do that. They're going to go scout players in the NBA summer league. Yeah. You know, because they know what they're going to get uh, coaches coming to my summer league before they want to come to my son. They want to know who's going to be there. You know, they want to know the players that are going to be there. They're going to want to see if there's something that might be interesting and then they'll, they'll maybe come, you know, but if I don't provide that, then there's a good chance. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be a whole lot of coaches there. So I designed this to, uh, to take risk away from teams, you know, to where the player has to make the investment. They take the risk upon themselves to put themselves in front of teams and coaches uh -huh. and, and scouts and agents here in Europe. And, uh, and the biggest thing is for us to be honest with the players, to be honest with the teams, to be honest with the coaches. When we see a player, we evaluate their level, we evaluate their attitude, their work ethic, their uh, their demeanor, how they are with their teammates, with their coaches, and and we mm -hmm. we give that information to the teams, and that creates a good relationship between us and the teams. I'm not an agent. I don't make money to send players to teams. I don't get in between that. 
you know, so it does, there's no, there's no sales, you know, I'm not selling a player to, I'm not, I'm not giving them information. So they'll buy the player from me. I'm just giving them honest information, which a lot of times makes them contact me before they even contact an agent mm -hmm. because they know they're going to get an honest opinion about a player and, uh, and they know they're not going to have to pay for that. So that's, um, that's kind of the idea and, and how, how I got started with it. And it's just been growing since. And now we don't only do individual players. We have, uh, I mean, we have our agreement with Valencia basket. We work with them. We do yeah. different programs with them. They have their own academy for kids. We help promote that academy as well, which includes mm -hmm. the best facility. It includes the Valencia basket teams. It includes a student resort, and it includes one of the top high schools in, in Europe. Uh, we do NBA camps, uh, or I would say camps with NBA coaches here in Europe. Yeah. So kids can learn yeah. from an NBA shooting coach, an NBA skill trainer. Uh, we do tours for universities uh, through my through my uh, um, through Euro Pro Basket. We organize tours for universities, for AAU teams, for pro teams, for uh, mm. for different uh, club teams throughout throughout Europe and throughout the world. So we branched off and done different things, and every every year we try and bring new programs and new new uh, products to to our clients. That's really interesting. I mean, it's a, it's a really cool idea in terms of just that model, the academy structure. Um, I guess a question I have for you and, you know, for someone who's been around the European game, uh, we talk about, you know, the NBA game changing, you know, even in the early 2010s, it was the move to the three-point shot. And Europe's always been a little bit ahead of the NBA in terms of, like, skill-based players. Is there mm. something that at least you've observed you know, maybe in the past 10 years, that's like a stylistic change within European basketball. Is there, I mean, if anything, uh, if not, you know, but I was just curious if, if, if there's something that you've observed in terms of the stylistic game, if there's if any changes. Um, well, what I see, I mean, I've only been in Europe for, for about six, seven years. And before that, I wasn't really paying too much attention to European basketball. You know, I watched some old vintage film and I have a lot of friends and coaches that, that played and coached here. Um, I guess uh, basketball here is evolving in the sense that players are getting more athletic, they're getting stronger. There's, we're getting better strength and conditioning coaches here, better information about nutrition. You know, the U.S. has always been ahead of the game with all of that, you know, with protein giving, you know, I remember in college, I'm getting proteins from, from my coaches and my trainers and they're killing me and they're pushing me. And, you know, you're going to see more and more Europeans getting stronger and more athletic. You look at Luka Doncic, the kid, he doesn't look like an athletic strong player, but, but he really is, you know, and, and he competes really well in the NBA uh, because of the, the training he was getting in, in Real Madrid. And I think that, uh, that that's definitely changing, you know. Um, there's always been players in, in Europe that can play all five positions. You know, the five men can shoot and dribble. Um, they can uh, they can pass the ball. They move the ball. The point forward, you know, is a position that's that's newer now. So uh, you definitely see those those changes. But uh, but yeah, I think the game's evolving all over all over the world, and it's becoming. I think it's the most basketball is the most uh, the 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 sport that's growing the most in the world, you know. So we're going to continue to see changes and and uh, 
and it'll be interesting to see uh, what it's like 10, 20 years from now. For sure. And I know we're kind of hopping around a little bit, but I, I want to ask about, uh, again, uh, back back to the camps. Um, what Building something like that, what, what was the challenges? I mean, I'm, I'm also, you know, thinking about doing some sort of camps out in my uh, home country in, in Turkey. So I, it's kind of personal, but I'm also very curious about your experiences as well about about starting a camp. Like what was, what was the most difficult um, aspect uh, to get it going? Like your first camp, how did that become the second camp? But how did the first camp even start? So like just curious uh, the details and logistic logistics there. Yeah, well, I mean, since you're from Turkey, you're Turkish, it's going to be easier, in my opinion, than say, if I, I'm an American, and I just go there and I try and start it yeah. as an American, you know, you have more contacts, you have more ins, you have, you know, people are going to trust you a little bit more than they're going to trust an outsider. And so I think you already have a, a heads up on on that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's difficult in a lot of aspects is that uh, just being unsure if if what you're doing is actually going to be successful you know and sometimes the first year is not very successful you know we didn't my program wasn't making money the first year you know i was i was going through my my savings and and everything to try and to try and get it going and, you know we lived in a hotel with my family for for months you know trying to get this started and see if it, it could be something that was successful the important thing was i, I really believed in it and i poured all my time and all my effort into it I didn't have another job. Um, I played basketball at that time just for fun and just to stay in shape and also to make contacts. You know, I played in a lower league in Spain just so I can uh, so I can meet coaches and meet teams and see how the competition was and see how, you know, I wasn't playing as a professional. I wasn't getting paid much to do it. You know, my, my main focus was to meet people and to uh, – into network and and find out about the league so the fact that you have that already going for you you probably know the leagues well you've got your contacts there as well it's also definitely gonna gonna help you but uh don't in my opinion don't be surprised if the first year isn't as good as you want it to be you know the next year is going to be better and the next year after that is going to be better it's going to be something that takes that takes time to to grow and once you start getting material i mean we're talking about now, uh, 10, 15 years ago, content wasn't even a thing, you know, but now content is, is king. You got to have pictures, you got to have videos, you got to have, and it's got to look good. It's got to look professional, you know? So, uh, once you start getting that as well, that's gonna, that's gonna really help you. For sure. Well, pre- appreciate that. <laughs> um, th- so what, what do you guys do with, with content? Uh, and like, how, how is that? side of it developed because i think without it like you just said without it it's it's tough to really get the word out um i'm curious like how how has that development uh you know helped you guys how did you guys get in it are there any future plans to expand it more um that's also yeah. you know something that i think yeah about no a it's a good question yeah. well when i first started the academy i was the coach i was the agent the the uh strength and conditioning coach that i was everything you know and then as we kept growing and getting bigger, uh, I started to hire people that were that know be- these things better than I do. You know, I'm not a professional coach, you know, but with what I had, that's uh, with my experience, I was able to help my players and and to grow my program. 
now we we hire people to be our coaches to be our physiotherapists to be our strength and conditioning coaches but what i am good at is i'm okay at everything you know i'm not great at one thing but i can i work on my own website uh, i help with the with all the social media I'm not a great photo taker. I'm not great at taking pictures. So my wife does it and she's really good at it. Um, video, I, I'm a little bit better at, so I do some of that, but we have interns that do it. We have, we hire professionals to come in and do videos as well um, because they have equipment that, that we don't have. Um, and then other content I create with my, me and my interns or my coaches. You know, and, and right now, because of COVID, there's a lot of free time, you know, a lot of people like this is where I live now. Normally I'm on the court, but my <laughs> office is where I spend all yeah. my time. And uh, it's unfortunate, but it's it's what it is right now. So so I, I have more time to, to write articles, to to make videos, to, to put information out there for players, you know, that could potentially that's going to help them and give them information so that they can they can improve their career and and it improves the the brand that that i made and uh and gives uh gives more value to what we're we're doing here in in spain and with that i want to get into one of those uh wonderful bits of articles that you actually wrote i think it was back in november you wrote about mm -hmm. the or see salaries yeah i think right yeah that was yeah, a that was... that was really a terrific one i mean that was i think one. a very, very major eye opener for a lot of the players especially cuz i mean like you and i know i mean especially uh the let's say lower level uh players that really can't make the jump either to a possible g league scenario or that just come out like of a D3 school or JUCO or NAIA, they do try to seek out those opportunities, but they rarely really understand what it really means to get that kind of an overseas job. And I mean, yeah. you've been through that grind yourself. So uh, I, I do also recall, I mean, you have what now close to uh, more than 100 signed players, if if not close to there, through close Euro Pro 200. Basket, I think, right? Yeah, close to oh, 200, yeah. actually. Uh, yeah. Go, goes no, to show me, do my research better. Yeah. I mean, the important number about that is, uh, is that most of these players that are getting signed, um, yeah. they wouldn't have had any opportunity before, you know, not saying mm -hmm. that they couldn't get it. It's just, they were at a point where they either had a year off from playing or they had two years off or the experience that they had in college wasn't great, or they didn't even go to college. You know, I, mm -hmm. I've signed players mm -hmm. that I signed a 32 year old, to a, a EBA team here in Spain that yeah. he's bohemian that never played college basketball, just played high school in his home country, you know, and he was 32 mm -hmm. his first, first job playing professional basketball. Maybe it's not a professional league, but he was getting paid as a professional. He made money. They paid his apartment, his meals his, you know, so mm -hmm. his job was playing basketball. And I've, I've done that with multiple players that have never with a division one football player that never touched the basketball court in college signed with the with a fourth division team here you know and so that's my claim to fame is that i don't take a division one player from connecticut university that's yeah. averaging 12 points a game and put them on a team because anybody can do that you know if you've got good yeah. players yeah. teams are going to sign them 
the problem is if you don't have players with experience, if you don't have good players, if you don't have, and you just have players that want to get an opportunity that are coming from a D3 school or have two years off, those are the type of players that we sign. Yeah. And that's what we specialize in. So imagine if we get a, a good player that has a good resume, imagine what we can do with that. If, if we can place players on fifth division teams and sixth division teams, we have, we have contacts with, with ACB teams. Obviously we're in the biggest facilities in Europe uh, yeah, with an ACB yeah. club. We get every Euro league team come through our facilities, come through our, our uh, you'll see them walking through our practices. Sometimes, you know, those contacts are there. The important thing is getting the other players, uh, the opportunities as well. And since I'm not an agent, I don't collect money for for signing players to teams. Um, I don't care what level a player goes to, or I don't care what level a player is, as long as they can help the team and and they have a good attitude and a good effort. You know, I'll, I'll work to make sure they get an opportunity. Oh, amazing to hear that, Brad. I mean, uh, and how how do you say that the overall experience has been? This past year, I mean, especially with COVID, I mean, I can assume that uh, it's been a crazy storm of things, really, that's happened. I mean, obviously, leagues that got postponed even have been on hold so far. But um, has that really, uh, in effect, really had players, let's say, come more or less to you? Or how's, how's it been, really? Yeah, well, we don't have any players here now. And we normally would. But due to yeah, COVID, yeah. we don't. We mm -hmm. don't. And since February, luckily, our last program ended at the end of February, which it normally does because a lot of signing periods here end uh, February 28th or 29th on the leap year. So uh, we usually end our program there, have a break, and then we start again for our summer league in April. But uh, any Got player you. that comes to our, uh, yeah. to our um, leagues in April is cutting out. You there? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I thought it was cut now. So, uh, yeah, any player that comes to one of our programs in April is coming for the for the next year. But, uh, but yeah, COVID, man, it's, this virus is, is no joke. Literally, I've, myself, I've been putting up more shots on yeah. 2K than, than I have on a real court. And <laughs> I, I only have a demo, the demo version of 2K on my, on my oh, window, so... It's it's bad, man. But uh, but the the good thing is here in Spain, all the leagues are are still going on. You know, people are still competing. My daughter's still playing. The fact that my academy and my program is not part of the Spanish Federation, like we're not in uh, a league, yeah. Because mm -hmm. all of our players are import players. We can't have you know we can have two player two imports mm -hmm. and then ten uh, Spanish players. But that's not that's not my program. That's not how we how we work. So. Technically, yeah. we can't have competition. Uh, we can't play games against local teams. We can't uh, have uh, contact in our practices. So we're really not allowed to have a grand. So hopefully with this, we'll be able But I do see a big change, especially for Americans, play overseas, you know, with the uh, – with, uh, with you if it if a team's league is uh, going on you know i've sent players to ireland and done you know they they send all their players home so i have to now out there 
now they're getting sent home. Like, dude, I have to find that player another hobby or else, you know, they're, they're done for the year. So uh, it's been it's been a struggle, to say the least. But uh, but it also gives me more time to do stuff like this, you know. If, uh, if uh, I wanted this right now, I'd be in the middle of my practice, you know, and I'd be watching <laughs> my players. So, you know. It's kind of it has its good and its and its bad things. Now I'm, I meet three basketball-minded people and I get to have a good talk about about hoops. So can't complain. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm I'm curious a lot about how you. I know you have professional teams come in and scrimmage, right? Like with your teams. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like you 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 schedule Depends. a game. Yeah, it could be professional, it could be semi-professional. Mm -hmm. Most of them are semi-pro because professional here in Spain would be first or second division, right. which those would be competing against high, you know, NBA teams or high division one university level. And we don't, we don't typically get those, those type of players in, in my program. So, um, okay. So how do you, how do you like assess the level of like which programs to bring in? Like, you know, what level of play is going to play what group, what team? Is that something that, you know? I'm good at. Over the years, I've, I've gotten really good at that. You uh -huh. know, and, and I can I can evaluate a player now. You know, when I first started, it was difficult, but it, it definitely helped. Like at the beginning when I was talking about playing in a league here, it definitely helped me to assess the league better when I'm actually playing in it. You know, so so now I'm watching players, I'm watching teams. I I spend my whole life I'm watching basketball. You know, whether it's ACB, Leb Gold, Leb Silver, EBA, my whole life is is basketball. So I know the leagues very well. I know the players in my program very well. I try and make it to every single practice. I talk with my coaches. I talk with my trainers. I find out information from the whole tell about how my players are i mean i know everything about them while they're here i know uh, a lot about them so i'm pretty confident about uh when i put together my team what level we should be playing at because i don't want my i don't want my guys to lose by 40 and i don't want the other team to beat them by 40 you know so i kind of just have to judge what level i think would be good and, and play a game if we win by 20 then i try and find a team in a little bit higher division you know if, if i know i have three d1 guys in my starting lineup then i could probably play in uh, an eba team or fourth division team and it could be a good com competition if i don't have any d1 guys and i'm looking at d3 or d2 or guys that are players from other countries then i have to find a lower lower division because as you probably know the competition here in spain is is really really good even in in the lower division Pretty tough. Yeah. yeah so kind of so i think most americans don't know that though sorry about that i don't want to no. cut you off it, it paused for a second but um kind of to go off that though uh just understanding the level and the level i mean you're working with a wide spectrum of leagues and talent levels how has the discovery kind of developed for you? Because I'm sure it takes a lot of time to find players or do the players find you? Is it all from your network? Like, I'm, I'm sure it's easier now than it was back in the day since since now you, you have a name and the business is kind of known, you have connections and all that. But like, mm -hmm. how, how has that, how did that start? And then how has that developed just in terms of finding the players to bring into your camps? Yeah, I mean, it, it started with me being a player. I played all over the place. So I made connections with players. I made mm. connections with coaches and 
since I'm from the U.S., English is, you know, is, is key in this type of business because everybody all over the world speaks it. And so uh, not everybody, but, you know, people in basketball business, you're, you're going to find people that speak English. And so uh, a lot of it started out with that, you know, just hours and hours and hours. So you don't when uh, when you do something like this, especially with 70 percent of my clients being Americans, I don't really have set hours. You know, I wake up in the morning to take my daughter to school. But I have players that want to talk to me at, you know, in their afternoon, which is my very late evening. So I could be on my phone in my bed at, at midnight, one in the morning, messaging players and answering their questions, you know. And so uh, it, it really started with the contacts, but then obviously the websites and the social media and the content and, and stuff always all, all comes into, into play. And then uh, a lot of it's word of mouth as well. One of my players goes to a team, he tells his friends or his friends see it, and then they want to come, you know. One of them goes to a team, they tell their friends, same thing. I know coaches or trainers, and those trainers are training players. They're talking to their player like, hey, I need to get overseas. These agents not working. Hey, contact Brad. He's got this academy overseas. You know, word of mouth is is huge. And making those connections and and uh, and being honest with people, that's another another big thing. You know, if, if one of my players calls me and asks me how much he can be expecting to make in Europe, I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to send him the uh, – the article that Hermé read uh, in November about the salaries for for EuroLeague and top leagues in Europe, you know, because that's not what they're going to be making. You know, I tell them, okay, you played Division Two basketball. You need to get a start. You had a year off, whatever his situation is. Expect a few hundred euros a month, you know, maybe an apartment, meals, and a flight. But that's it, you know. If you've got bills back home, there's a good chance you're probably not going to be able to pay them. When I went overseas, I sold my car. I got rid of my cell phone. I made sure I didn't have bills because I didn't know how much I was going to be making and how long I was going to be playing for. And, you know, basketball is not a secure income. It's not a secure job. You can be playing and then get injured and be cut and sent home. And then you got to fend for yourself and find another job. So, you know, with the finances, I'm always really honest with everybody because it's it's uh, it's something that people don't really know. And Herme, I'm going to get on another article about starting salaries because I did the one about what that, good that's players, the one I want. experienced players are going to make. The starting yep. salaries is is important for, but nobody wants to hear that they could be making 500 euros a month. Let's be honest. They want to hear <laughs> no, they could dude, be making a million. Think, no, you know? dude, dude, no, <laughs> don't don't even say that. You know, I, I'll, I'll seriously look. I'll, I'll relay you uh, a couple of uh, questions that actually came in through um, some of the Facebook groups uh, I'm a part of. Uh, one thing was, for instance, Brad. Um, honest to God, I mean, some people just want to understand. Uh, the model of, for instance, I mean, they're, they they're they're trying to reach out to agents left, right, and center, but they just cannot get mm -hmm. any contacts. And does it really make sense to kind of get in touch with you and just to get their selves overseas? That that's that's one of the questions I got, for instance, from uh, one of the groups. Another one mm -hmm. was, uh, practically speaking, uh, you have an agent, or sorry, you have a player currently. Uh, being a part of an agency and yet they're already in Europe 
and um, the situation is just not good. But they mm-hmm. they want to leave the team, and again, this kind of being a part of Euro Pro Basket as a layover uh, spot really work out? Mm-hmm. Those, those are the two kind of questions that I got directly from uh, yeah, people that I questions. had a discussion with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for to, to answer, you want me to answer the last one, in, in my opinion? Yeah, I, I expect players to, uh, uh, I mean, if you have an opportunity, one's better than not. You know, I remember me as a player, I turned down a few opportunities at the beginning thinking I was going to get something better later and then I'm like oh shit I don't get anything it's here it's August and I don't have a team like I wish I would have taken that first one you know or that second one mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. uh and then whatever comes I have to take it even if it's not good and a lot of times it's not good at that time because those those teams are waiting to make those offers because they know those t- those players made the mistake of turning it down and, and so I feel like taking an offer going overseas Maybe sign a contract that has an out or a buyout, which is what mm-hmm. I recommend for my players or for these teams that uh, that want to want to sign my players. But my players feel like they're way better than where they're signing to. Okay, sign, put a buyout clause in your in your contract. Have it be if it's a lower team, have it be for a thousand euros. You know, if you're worth mm-hmm. that, the team is going to pay for it. Whatever team you're going to sign with is going to pay for it. You're going to get your rights. It's going to be no problem. You know, but you got to be somewhere. You know, you can't be sitting at home waiting, not playing just because you want a better, better offer. And that, and that's my opinion. At least starting out, if you're, you know, then, if, if you're an NBA let, level Brad, player, that's that's totally different. You know, you're you're in Brad, another. Then let, let me cut you off and ask you this. Yeah. Um. Let let let's let's flip the situation over. Like, okay, you have a player currently playing. I don't know, like second league somewhere in france and he's just not in a good situation and he wants to get out of that Mm -hmm. contract he did he's talked with his agent and he's had it over and done with yet he wants to stay in europe is going to euro pro basket are the facilities gonna help him out i mean can he do kind of a layover with you guys and then try to sort himself out in the meantime Uh, would, I mean, this would be a perfect place. Obviously, the player has to be aware that it's an academy and, and people are learning here and there's going to be different levels. And But if, if we have two teams of players, we're going to make a more experienced team and a less experienced team, you know, so that everybody can benefit from, from that. And if we have a more experienced team, we're going to play, be playing games against more experienced teams as well, you know, and the less yeah. experienced yeah. players are going to be playing against lower level level team so that everybody can have a good experience here but yeah i mean being in the best facilities being in the center of of europe you know i yeah. did i go over the fact that there's 13 courts here there's two or there's one arena they're building another arena right next door yeah i mean valencia is the center of of basketball True. me being in these facilities uh every single nba team or representative from nba team you know, Daryl Morey was—he he was here just uh, just not that long ago because they had this uh, ANGT, the Next Generation Adidas Next Generation Tournament. Yeah. Uh, they have this tournament. They have NBA Junior NBA tournaments here, and so we always have NBA people coming through. And that's just saying NBA because it's the top league. But we have Euro League, we have ACB, we have you know uh, top Russian teams come and train here and. 
and uh, we have the national teams for Israel. We had national team for Israel, uh, Port, uh, uh, Poland, and Romania here just last week. You know, mm-hmm. so it's definitely a good place to be. And all the coaches I use are professional. You brought up Pascal Muras, and you know he's yeah. he's a great coach. You know he he really uh, especially Dan- for our program. Daniel was also there, right? If I yeah. if I recall, Daniel Brando, right? Yeah, very very good coach as well. You know, and yeah, and uh, I have I I make sure I select people that that I like to work with that I feel can can communicate well and can work well with with my players. You know, and uh, and and so it's it's a great learning environment. It's a great development environment. It's a great training environment. We have not only professional coaches, we have professional strength and conditioning coaches. We have a full medical team. You know, there's a surgeon in the facilities. There's a doctor. There's there's multiple physiotherapy uh, physiotherapists. You know, if there's an ultrasound machine, if somebody has a rupture, a tear, they can see right on the spot what's going on with that with that injury wow. and if they have to go to the hospital, you know. Uh, during the bubble, the ACB bubble, they had an MRI machine here. I mean, it's it's nuts what they what they do with with this facility. And when you walk into Damn. our training so, facility, so the rumor was true. Damn it! Yeah. Oh, I don't believe it. <laughs> when you walk into the training room, you see seven year olds, seven and eight year olds on the training tables getting ice and treatment. It's like my yeah. do- my coach would tell me rub some dirt on him, <laughs> but these kids are getting treated. You know, it's nuts. So it's uh, it's a great great place to to be, not only because I'm here, because because my program is here, but because it, it really is. It's it's the spot to be for for basketball. But also because you're there, also. Doesn't hurt. No. So so you mentioned uh, you mentioned Daryl Morey, King of the Nerds. Um, uh, as someone who considers myself a little bit of a basketball nerd and you know you probably hear the term analytics a lot is that yeah. something that you use is that something that you know you you think about the future of where basketball is headed like how do you incorporate that you know into your everyday operations and you know what well, do you see as the future for that talking about daryl moore just because i brought it up he actually was the GM when I was playing with the when I did my summer league with the Rockets and when I was uh, when I was there so I met him there and I, I met him here which is which is kind of cool but uh, to go off of analytics as you know I, I don't know if you know Pascal Muir's person personally but he's a real basketball analytics guy you know and, and he really he really introduced me to different aspects of a basketball and analytics he's a he's a mathematician that's a basketball coach, you know. Yeah. Now he's a basketball coach. That's a mathematician. But the coach, that's a mathematician. <laughs> he can, this guy can make a lot more. He's, he's a really intelligent guy. He can make a lot more money playing or uh, being a, a mathematician, being a professor. But he loves basketball so much that that he just do anything other than basketball. And I'm sure in the future, sometime you'll you'll get a better job and and be able to make more than being a mathematician. But you know, just to say how much he loves it. But yeah, he really introduced me to, to different analytics. He wrote a book about it, which I, which I have. And, and uh, I think it's really important. I think a lot of European teams kind of overlook it and don't really pay much attention to it because the budgets don't allow for it or because it's something new. And um, I know NBA really puts a lot of, a lot of focus into it. And, 
And I, I think it is something that's important and, and something that should be paid attention to. Unfortunately, with my program, we don't have uh, a budget for it either. You know, I can't have an analytics guy. We look at regular stats and, and that's about it. But hopefully sometime in the future we'll be able to. Uh, they've installed smart cameras into the on the courts. I think four of the courts in Lacadia in our training facility are going to have these smart yeah. cameras. Yeah. And so we can pull analytics mm -hmm. straight from, from games and stuff. So I'm awesome. excited to look into that. I'm in contact with, uh, um, like you said, Instat, you know, Nikita, he introduced me to, uh, to yeah. his yeah. program Instat. And, you know, we've spoken about it. Something that's really interesting for me, mm -hmm. but, uh, maybe, uh, maybe when we get back to normal and get things moving again and get some type of, uh, uh, program running something we can look into 100 yeah. um i might did you have something to say go ahead no it's time to dig into the nba i'm i'm itching for it guys i'm really itching for it <laughs> the i mean lot, lot, lots has been going on as far as i can judge i mean harden's been doing a hard <laughs> pull out from the rockets paul yeah. paul george he actually signed his uh, so-called extension, if you can even call it that. Um, Why? It's what? There, what there, is there, almost five years? So hundred ninety? Dude, that like that 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 should have been that should have been considered like a separate uh, contract, if you ask me. I mean, my God, it's it's still though those numbers when they're flying up so high, it's, it's just becoming a little too much for me. But it's just but, but it's just based on a percentage. I, I think a lot of people and that's a, another conversation, I think, but I, I think uh, many people focus on the actual number of what it is and not where yeah. the number is coming from. It's it's just the percentage of, of, of the cap. And I mean, Paul George, even though he might have struggled last year in the yeah. playoffs, like he's still, you know, that the max caliber player in a lot of teams eyes and the Clippers wanted to make sure they didn't lose him. So it's just the price to the price of business at this point. Well, we'll see if it's the price of business or if it's the price of a buyout. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be surprised, honestly speaking. I mean, but yeah, I mean, a lot has been really going on. And I'm, I'm pretty also interested to hear what uh, Brad's got to say, too. I mean, he's he's been a part of that whole summer league scenario uh, that I've also heard about in the past as well. But I mean, uh, I know for sure that he's also like me following what's going on. And as of this evening, we have preseason starting. So yeah, that that's definitely very curious to definitely follow up on. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, to be honest, I don't follow the NBA as much as I as I used oh, to. Oh come on! Yeah. You know, so I wouldn't be the best the best voice in this conversation. So, so can I honest. ask you something regarding <laughs> to, to summer league and how normally there is summer league and it leads into the yeah. season this year, there is no summer league. It's not leading. Like, what do you think the teams and the players are losing out on the most, uh, by the lack of summer league? Do you, would, would you say? Well, I mean, uh, just to add when I was in the summer league, it was in 2008 and it was kind of a newer thing. Yeah. You know, you see uh, we're in the Mac Center. I think it was a smaller gym, though. Mm -hmm. And literally, there was only a couple of rows of people. You know, yeah. you'd see people there, but it wasn't it wasn't anything big. And this guy took it to a whole nother level. Now it's like it's incredible. They're in the big arena. They sold out. You know, it's it's a huge event. So I think a lot of it. Uh, 
for sure it's going to take away from the fans. You know, a lot of people really look forward to watching the summer league and, and seeing it. As far as a team uh, aspect, competitive games, it's it's like a preseason. You know, here in Europe, you have a preseason and you've got these. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a pre preseason. So <laughs> it's uh, I mean, yeah. it's a nice environment to try out different players that you're looking at and different players that you drafted and and put them in with some players that have you know one or two years of experience playing in the in the team and and see how everything how everything pans out with those players so you know it's it's definitely a lost uh, a lost event but i don't think it's something that's gonna destroy their their preseason 100 percent. we only had we only had five days to prepare for it there you you go that's that's what you got you know when i when I did the mini camp, it was five days, cram everything into those five days and and then you're on a plane to Vegas. So um I it's, think uh it's a weird time, so teams teams gotta uh adjust on the fly. Um yeah. and and I got uh I got, you know, a final question or if if Armai or Ian, if you got anything to add, uh, you know, after this i just want i just want to ask what would you have uh planned obviously COVID has kind of maybe put a delay or a pause on a lot of maybe plans that you had for the future but uh where do you see you know uh euro pro basket going what do you want it to become in in the next you know two three five years well my plan is to continue growing um not to overgrow because we still want to create a, a good environment uh have good opportunities and good experience for our players and and so just gradually growing every year, getting more players, growing, uh, reaching more um, more countries. You know, I've only had one or two players from China. You know, I'd like to have a couple more players from China. I, I don't get as many young players as I would like. And, and I'd like to start bringing in some younger talent and, and start to help some of these European players go to the U.S. to play universities. Um, I'd also like to train more high-level players, so we're we're implementing a elite training program for our for our summer. You know, where we can bring a NBA shooting coach or an NBA trainer here to Europe to train elite-level players. You know, so they don't have to go to the U.S. to get their NBA training. They could do it here in Europe, in the best facilities in in uh, in Europe, right on the beach with the nice uh nice sun and uh and a good nightlife which is what most basketball players are are looking for believe it or not they they want to have fun in the summer and they want to train and and uh and get better as well so that type of a program would be would be nice uh working with valencia basket more on their programs and developing their uh their junior academy uh is another thing that we're we're looking at um and just continue to to provide opportunities to players. You know, I'm not in this for to make big money. Uh, I'm not in this to get rich quickly. You know, I, I want to develop a, a brand and and a program that that can help people and that people trust and and uh, and will have a good experience whether they get a team from it or not. Because honestly speaking, not everybody coming to my program gets a team. You know, a lot of players just don't have the level to play overseas. They don't have the IQ. They don't. They don't have the the work ethic. They don't. 
Uh, they don't have the confidence. And so we have to still provide them with a good experience and make sure that they're happy leaving, even though they don't get a team. So um, just keeping those with that model and those goals, I think is, is enough for, for us. For sure. Well, let's do our part by letting everyone uh, listening know where they can find you. Uh, where where uh, should we send everyone to go uh, check Europro Basket out? <laughs> well, we've got a website, europrobasket.com. Uh, um, we have a YouTube channel uh, where we post our the games that we play. We post uh, information and videos, informative videos, and information about different leagues and and whatnot here in Europe. And, uh, and we also have social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. You know, if you search your pro basket on Google, you'll find various ways to get in touch. And I, uh, I ask anybody that, that shows interest or wants to know something about overseas basketball, they can reach out to me personally. You can, if you Google search my name, you'll find my Instagram, my Facebook, my Twitter, my LinkedIn. You can feel free to, to drop me a line there. For sure, and we'll definitely. And he responds fast. He, re- he responds extremely fast. I try to, <laughs> man. It's but it's getting crazy now. Like with between yeah. emails and and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and trying to answer all these. Me- it's like I'm all day yeah. just answering messages. You know, it's it's crazy. Twenty four seven job, Brad. You know everything. how it goes. It is. Man. It really is. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way though. <laughs> definitely definitely no no problem about that well we wouldn't have had this show any other way uh coach appreciate you hopping on uh this was great go check out you're a pro basket everyone uh brad canis search him up he apparently answers his messages immediately as are my <laughs> no but no but this well, is a, this, 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 no, 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 i don't want to put you on the spot i'm joking i'm joking um uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your day uh to to talk with us about everything you're doing uh and i'm sure we'll we'll talk to you soon hey i again i, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show it's been it's been a lot of fun Talking basketball with basketball people is, you know, is, is something that I, I really enjoy. I hope the listeners enjoyed it. And I want to say, I, everybody listening, I hope you guys are safe and healthy and, and the same for you and your family during these these crazy times. So, again, if if anybody wants to reach out, feel free to. I get to my messages eventually. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate everyone listening. Check us out uh, at 8. ADV Pro B-Ball. Uh, hit us up with the hashtag and, and everything. And we'll, we'll talk to y'all next time. Peace.